to worship. Father, speak to our hearts because we're humble before you and we're needy, quite simply. So, Lord, we're just asking you to, to speak. In Christ's name we pray. Holiness. Um, when we talk about it in church, there are a few things that come to mind. There's Holy Communion, where we remember Jesus and what Jesus did, how much God loved us. There's the Holy Bible, uh, which we talk about it as God's Word or the book from which we are able to hear from God. We talk about holy matrimony, that a man and woman are brought together and there is a time to exchange vows and it's a very sacred time to enter into a a relationship that is very precious and meant to be only second to the relationship that we have with God. It's an intimate relationship. There's, uh, we talk about Israel, the Holy Land, and of course we have the, our friends back from the Holy Land, Robert and Gail, and I got some pictures I'm grateful for and some video they sent. I'm sure, I'm looking forward to hearing some stories about all that. I'm sure they had a great time. And of course there's the Holy Spirit, the person of God who speaks to us and helps us to understand Without the Holy Spirit at work, we just wouldn't get it. We'd be ignorant, or we would not be able to understand. And then there's outside the church. We hear the word holy. What comes to mind? I want to read to you. This is a quote from an author who, when he thinks of holy, this is what he says. Words like thinness or gauntness, hollow eyes, Beards, sandals, long robes, stone sails, no sex, no jokes, hair, shirts, frequent cold baths, fasting, long hours of prayer, getting up at four in the morning, clean fingernails, stained glass, (laughs) self-humiliation. Now, those are images we carry with us when we think of the word holy, when we hear it. I'll prove it to you. Three words in that list. Beards, sandals, a long robe. Think of Jesus. The one who is holy. Um, We love to speak about the attributes of God. Several of those come to mind. We, We love to talk about his amazing love. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We we love to talk about it. We love to talk about his deep compassion that God feels with us when we go through the difficulties that he has compassion on us or his glorious grace. Man, he gives me what I don't deserve. How can I not worship him? Or his infinite mercy. He doesn't hold my sins against me, but he's merciful toward me. Why do we like those attributes? Because it is a picture of God coming close to us, coming near to us, and we feel like, man, I can get close to a God like that. But when we think of holiness, it's the opposite. God seems far away because He is the one who is without sin. 
He, he is the one who is set apart. In the book of Isaiah, 30 times the prophet refers to God as the Holy One. Throughout the Bible, 637 times the word holy is used. And twice in the Bible, our text here, and in the book of Revelation, the word holy is used back to back to back. Three times in a row. The thrice holy, as someone has said. And it is the only attribute in the Bible to describe God that is used three times. The purpose of saying that word three times is for emphasis. In other words, as we think about God, as we think about all of His attributes, who God is, the Scriptures want us to know, God wants us to know this about Him. It is emphasized more than any other attribute. He is holy, holy, holy. Now, what does it mean? First, as we look, just to try to understand the meaning. Holiness means separation. Now, let's uh, look at our text here. We open up here with the fact that it meant a lot to the people of that day. It tells us in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, you say, well, certainly that was significant to Mrs. Uzziah or to Uzziah's kids, or to some people in the palace. But it was really meaningful to everyone, because this guy, he served over 50 years as the king, and he was a good king. He loved the people. He sought to do what was right. He was fair, and he was just, and it was 52 good, godly years. And things, man, things hadn't been perfect. There was difficulty among the nation, and there were troubles. Matter of fact, you go back to chapter 5, there's a whole list of warnings and woes. This is what is coming because people have not followed the living God. People are, are not following His commands. And so there, there were some difficulties that were being expressed. Things were falling apart. And, and I think about e even today, there's a pessimistic uh, attitude that we hear all the time in the United States. I, I read, as I was preparing for this message, that a poll that was taken around the end of July where they asked, how do you feel about the direction the United States is moving? Are we moving in a good direction or a bad direction? 85% of Americans, about as high as I can ever remember, guys, 85% of Americans said we are moving in the wrong direction right now. Now, regardless of how bummed out we may feel, well, things are going in the wrong direction, and I don't see any sign that they're getting any better. Well, they could have said that in the day that King Uzziah died. I mean, what's next? Things have been going downhill. Now this leader that we've looked to that had the charisma and, and he was a good guy that we trusted, now he's not with us. What are we going to do? Where are we going to turn? And that is the context of Isaiah's vision of God himself. In Isaiah chapter 66, we read the words where God says, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. And so what does that mean? 
God who is up above, when he looks at the difficulties of this place, man, we're just like a place for him to kick back and relax. I'm in, you know, the, the recliner, <laughs> we're the footstool. In other words, he's saying, God is not anxious. God is not ready to have an anxiety attack because, oh my, I don't know what to do with those people. I don't know what to do with those difficult times. This is just too much for the creator of the universe, the sustainer of all, who keeps all the planets in orbit and who keeps everything from falling apart and decaying. It's just, oh, come on. I'm being sarcastic, of course. God is sovereign. God is in charge. He is separate from us. He's the Almighty. The word holiness literally means in the Hebrew to cut off. And it is the picture of something being set aside for a designated purpose. Uh, for example, this is from Exodus 40. We read about a tabernacle that was set apart for a specific purpose. Priests and implements and clothing and dishes and utensils. This is from Exodus 40. I'm going to read just a couple of verses starting at verse 9. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it, consecrate it and all its furnishings, and it will be holy. Then anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils. Consecrate the altar and it will be most holy. Anoint the basin and its stand and consecrate them. Bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then dress Aaron in the sacred garments. Anoint him, consecrate him, so he may serve as priest. Bring his sons and dress them in tunics. Anoint them just as you anointed their father, so they may serve me as priests. Their anointing will be to a priesthood that will continue throughout the generations. In other words, it was a place, it was certain people, certain articles, certain clothes that were all set aside for a purpose that God had designated. In Exodus 15, 11, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? He is holy, holy, holy. Remember when you were in school and you wanted to be cool? And if you were like me, you knew you were not cool. And there were some kids, you look at them and you say, Man, he is cool. And others, you'd say, he is cool, cool. And then there was that one kid, you might say, he is cool, cool, cool. He is the coolest. Or maybe some guy, you'd say, well, he's handsome. Well, he's handsome, handsome. <laughs> he is handsome, handsome, handsome. Can't miss him or that bully in school. He's dangerous. Or he's dangerous, dangerous, or let me tell you, he's dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. Or then that, that big mouth, there's always one. He's annoying, annoying, annoying. You, you, you get my drift? <laughs> and yet, God here is holy, holy, holy. He is cut off from the sinfulness of our world. He is cut off from many of the issues that we think are all important, but really to Him are insignificant. Because He is the one to be worshipped. He is the one who deserves our full attention. Secondly, holiness magnifies sinfulness. Look at verse 5. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. 
and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. I love the way the English Bible phrases it. He says, there is no hope for me. I'm doomed. You see, this is what happens when we really see God. We see ourselves. There's no way to hide from the fact that we are not God. We are broken. As the scripture says, we were sinners. In, in one way or another, we're all messed up. As my sister likes to say, we're all broken children. There's no denying that. As he looked upon God, he saw himself. You'd say, well, you know, he, he's the prophet Isaiah. He's God's man. He's the mouthpiece of God. He's not like us. <laughs> but when Isaiah looked at God, he didn't care about any of that celebrity status stuff. He simply saw himself. The spotlight of who he really is was clearly made known when he looked at himself next to all holy God. He wasn't the only guy in the scriptures. There was Job. Remember Job, the guy who went through the, the suffering, and we all talk about poor old Job. The devil wanted to torture Job so that he would deny God, and Job said, uh, I mean, God said about Job, he said, what about my servant Job? He's blameless. And the devil said, well, we'll just see about that. Let me get a hold of him. We'll see uh, what kind of tune comes out of his mouth. Um, and yet, at the end of the book of Job, Job says this, I've heard of you. I've heard of you by the hearing of the year, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself. I hate what I see. I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. Even Job, the guy who was blameless in his community, said, when I see you, God, I see a sinner. I see somebody who, who needs to be helped, who needs to be forgiven, who needs to be set on the right track. And then there's Peter, Peter the fisherman. He's out, he's been fishing all night, caught no fish. And then Jesus says to God, I love the scene in The Chosen. And by the way, several of us are going to go, you know, go see that uh, movie coming up. Encourage you if you want to sign up, come be a part of that. But anyway, I love that scene in The Chosen. Uh, Peter's been fishing all night, and the Lord says, Where are you at, Peter? Huh? Peter's up there, he's thinking, Man, I'm the fisherman. He's not a fisherman. What do you mean? I've been doing this on nothing. Throws the nets down. I love it. You know the scene in the scripture. The nets begin to break. There's so many fish in the net. And I love the scene because Peter looks over at Jesus. And Jesus just goes, I love it. And, and, and then what happens? You know, it's, it's a scene straight from the scriptures where Peter falls down at the feet of Jesus. And he says, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. This is what happens when we're in the presence of the Holy One. Our sinfulness is magnified. Then one more from Revelation chapter 24. Or, sorry, Revelation chapter 4. There were 24 thrones and 24 elders. 
and these elders worship. They simply fall on their knees and they take their crowns and, and they offer them to the one who is deserving. It's a, it's a form of worship. They say, we are not the ones who deserve the praise. We have these crowns, but you are the one who deserves them because you alone are holy, 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 Lord. It's not us. I love what Max Lucado says when we try to compare ourselves to God and try to equate our goodness with God. You don't impress the officials at NASA with a paper airplane. You don't boast about your crayon sketches in the presence of Picasso. I mean, come on, it's Picasso. Come on, this is God. Show me a prideful person, I'll show you somebody who's never met God. Because when you really see God, you see your sin. It, it's the way it works. If you look in the book of Revelation, and John is receiving these visions and, and then it says that he beholds God and he falls as dead before God. Why? Because he sees the, the vast holiness of, of God and, and he's completely aware of the fact he's not deserving. And it takes him straight to the ground and takes him flat on his face. Holiness magnifies our sinfulness. And then third, holiness mandates consecration look at verse 6 it says um, one of the seraphim flew to me having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with the tongs from the altar he has said man i am a man of unclean lips so god has a plan to take care of those unclean lips that unclean heart this angel takes the tongs a hot coal and he starts heading toward isaiah uh-oh, this thing's on fire. Thing's on fire. Nope. It made me think, in our garden, we try to grow some peppers, and we grew these jalapeno peppers, and then we grew these other type of peppers, and the other type of peppers weren't supposed to be hot, but it ended up they were hot, and the jalapeno peppers were not hot. I don't know what happened. All I can think of, my two oldest children, Lydia and Nathan, they love hot stuff. Man, they can just gulp it down. But uh, when our daughter was home, she got a hold of one of those supposed to be a gentle pepper, and she admitted, that's a hot pepper. Well, <laughs> this hot coal touched Isaiah's lips, but it was for a specific purpose, that of consecration. The, the scripture says, he touched my mouth with it. Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity, that, your, your sin. It, it, it's taken away, it's, it's purged. It's forgiven. He, as a man of unclean lips, touched with this hot coal that brought consecration and cleansing, he, he had a mouth problem. A lot of people have a mouth problem. Man, how things have changed. There was a word when I was a kid, and it was the worst word you could say. Now it's be, might as well be in the dictionary. I hear it all the time. Just a common word that is used. Often it's used on television shows and in movies. And Man, it was the worst word when I was, you don't say that word. Now it's become common speech. I'm convinced many people who use vulgarity, profanity, it's just a bad habit. They don't even realize what they are saying. We don't even realize that we are sinners. We don't even realize 
that we were in need of forgiveness. But next to a holy God who makes all that clear, you can't miss it. And once you see him and once you become aware of your sin, you know you need to be forgiven. And that's what happens. You see, unholiness cannot coexist with holiness. Either God must destroy which that is unholy or else God must remove the sin. And this is what happens. He touches Isaiah, the prophet, and he forgives. He brings holiness where there is unholiness and he purges our sin. And of course, we know that that is the whole purpose of the cross of Christ. That is why God sent his one and only son. Because we were headed towards perishing, the scripture says. <laughs> and he provided life. Yeah. You see, the message of the gospel is that a holy God has provided a way for unholy people. And listen, here's a couple of verses here. That this amazes me, this stuff. Um, Hebrews 2.11, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Jesus made us holy, guys. And we are the ones made holy. And he calls us brothers and sisters. Now how mind-blowing is that? Jesus is my big brother. And yours too. What a thought. T Hebrews 10, 14. For by one sacrifice, he is made perfect forever. Those who are being made holy. Now, I know we're not perfect in practice. But in position we are. When the Father looks at us, he sees the sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ. Think about that. You are the forgiven Son. You've been, or daughter, you have been brought into the family. <laughs> what a thought. That is his solution to destroy the unholy through the death of the holy. That's what he did. I love, th this is from 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, listen to this stuff. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. New birth. Man, I, I'm an old guy on the way out, but God decided to give me new birth. People who have no hope have a living hope. You have a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And there's an inheritance, guys, that is waiting for us. It is not going to perish, spoil, or fade. Our Father is keeping it for us. What a thought. And then he says, while we deal with this junk here, we are shielded through faith until the coming of that salvation. It, it, it's exciting stuff. So Isaiah said, woe is me, but wow is God. Right? Woe is me, but wow is God. 
The only way you can get there with wow is God is to see woe is me. And God doesn't work. You have to see the big gulf that I can't, I can't get to God by being good enough, by going through the list and checking enough boxes, and somehow I finally get to that last box and God says, and I am impressed with you. Come on in. That is not how it works. You have to deal with the fact that you need a Savior. Frederick the Great, um, there's a story, he was king of Prussia. He went to a Berlin prison. He walked in the prison, and his majestic robes and his scepter, and he was an impressive-looking guy, you know. He walks in, and all the prisoners he walked up to, he stopped, listened to them, and they all declared their innocence, how they didn't deserve to be there, how this was some kind of terrible mistake, or they got the wrong guy. This continued prisoner after prisoner after prisoner until he encountered a prisoner who had his head bowed, who refused to look at the king. King Frederick said, uh, so I suppose you're going to try to convince me of your innocence. And he said, no, sir. I deserve to be here. I'm guilty. I deserve this punishment to the full extent of the law. The king was amazed. He couldn't believe it. <laughs> so he made his way over to the guy, put his arm around him, then he yelled out to the guards, the other authorities, release this rascal before he corrupts all these fine, innocent people here. Let me tell you something, guys. We were all at one point rascals. We have something to be forgiven of. In the good news of the gospel, there is one who will forgive. There's one who has paid the price, and that is our Lord Christ. And I got one more, and we're done. Um, holiness motivates commission. Uh, verse 8, Isaiah hears a voice. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? <laughs> and then I said, here am I, send me. When we see God in His holiness and we see our sinfulness and then we experience His forgiveness, His consecration, we just want to serve Him. We want to experience the commission or going out for God. You know, we talk about the call that that's just some disease only preachers get or missionaries. But the truth of the matter is when you really catch sight of God and the beauty of his forgiveness and his willingness to give us another chance, we just want to serve him. You just want to express your, your love to him for what he's done. The word church, we call ourselves the church, it literally means called out ones. It, it doesn't mean come and sit ones. Sometimes we may think that. I got to come and sit for an hour a week and God's pleased. It means called out ones. We come together so we can go back out and, and serve him and, and listen to his voice and, and follow him and, and to take seriously his commissioning. Um, think of it this way. His holiness leads to our wholeness. 
His holiness leads to our wholeness. I love 1 Peter 2, 9 uh, that gives a description. It says, you are a chosen people. Think about it. God handpicked you, you rascal. That's what the scripture tells us. You are a royal priesthood. Man, not only can you talk to God, God talks to you. You serve as an intercessor for others. That's, that's what a priest does. It, it serves as, as someone who is able to talk to God on someone else's behalf. We're, we're called a royal priesthood. We're called a holy nation. Are you holy? Because Jesus is what the Father sees. His holiness, he's changed. God's special possession. I like that term. Man, you are God's special possession. He likes you. He loves you. Isn't that great? Why? Listen to this next part. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Man, that's what it's about. At one time we were in darkness and he's called you into his light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Man, that's just good news. That's our call. One final verse as I, I get out of here. I'll get us out of here. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 14. That's also going to be our closing verse as we pray. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We're not called to be troublemakers, but peacemakers. Uh, we're not called to stir it up, but to settle it down. That's what God wants to do in our lives. Look for ways to bring people together. Look to build bridges instead of burn bridges in our lives and the lives of others. And that last phrase, that there's two ways when I read it, I, I think of it in two different ways. Uh, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. First, man, there is no way you're going to be holy enough to get to heaven, okay? And, and yet, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That means you've got to run to the cross. It means you've got to run to Christ. That means you've got to take upon Him His righteousness to become your own so that you will be ready to meet God. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And the second way to see it, though, is without holiness, no one will see the Lord. If G They're not just looking at you. They're seeing Jesus in you. They're not going to see the Lord if they don't see the Lord in you. See? Without holiness, no one will see. Without Jesus in you, no one will see the Lord because He is the holiness. He is our holiness. He is the one who has put us in position so the Father looks upon us and doesn't see our mess, but sees the masterpiece of forgiveness through Christ that we have. They don't need to see sinful Todd. They need to see redeemed Todd. And that's true for all of us. So how do I know when I'm holy? Well, it's not beards, long robes, sandals. It's not uh, haircuts, special shirts, stone cells, stained glass, none of that stuff. <laughs> it boils down to this. God hates sin and God loves righteousness. God hates sin. God loves righteousness. So how do you know when you're holy? Sin's heartbreaking. 
you don't want to coddle sin. Like Billy Sunday says, don't treat sin like a cream puff, but a rattlesnake. And love righteousness. And of course, that's Christ. Our righteousness. Let me close with this quote by Chuck Colson. Uh, he served some time in prison uh, regarding the Watergate years ago when Nixon, President Nixon went through Watergate. Holiness is the everyday business of a Christian. It evidences itself in the decisions we make and the things we do hour by hour, day by day. Revelation chapter 4, Isaiah chapter 6, the two places where you have the same song, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Now, between those two, there's approximately 750 years. So I find it interesting that Isaiah heard from the Lord, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And 750 years later, <laughs> that same song was sung in heaven. And you know what? It's still the song today among the people of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Is it your song? Is it your song? A.W. Tozer, he said, oh, are we losing our O? Oh. Hmm. When the heart is on its knees, when the in the awesome presence of God, and hears with fear and wonder things not lawful to utter, the mind falls flat and words previously as faithful servants become weak and total, totally incapable of telling what the heart sees and hears. In that awesome moment, the worshiper can only cry, Oh, oh Lord. Let's pray. Oh Lord. We come to you. You are our salvation. And Father, I, I want everyone to know you, Lord. Speak. May we listen. Um, Father, I suspect you're calling someone here today to come to you possibly for the first time. To see your holiness, see their sinfulness, and to desire the consecration you provide. And to go forward and commission to serve you out of gratitude for such a gift. What do you want to do, Lord, with an altar that's open, with needs throughout the congregation and people listening online? Father, we just ask you to move among us, Lord. Draw us to you, because that's where we need to be. The unholy needing the holy one. And through you, we become holy. Father, do that, Lord, because we're in need. Christ's name we pray.